coming to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed on Movies. I'm Teddy. And I am Matt. And this time we are bringing to you a long distance or longer distance than usual version of Buzzed on Movies. Um, as you know, we're we're by city usually, but uh, this week we're even further apart. I am in Miami and Matt, as always, is in New York. Sure am. Yeah, now we're just like complete opposite ends of the coast now. Yeah, we are. And through the magic of technology, though, we are together as always and right there with you as always bringing Ooh, bringing movie lovers together through the power of technology it's really wonderful here in 2019 slightly creepy we can never <laughs> we're never far don't worry we're, we're right there next to you we're in your car we're on your phone Ooh. we're everywhere we're on your ipod do people still is that a yeah, maybe I, not. I, maybe if you got <laughs> if you got an old iPod out there, you got a Zune or something. I don't a know. A Zune, Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? There's a lot of ways to listen to this. Um, but we're everywhere, basically. And what else is everywhere right now is Pennywise, the dancing clown. He Ooh. has been he's been getting around these days. And uh, it chapter two just came out last week. We're here to talk about that and the whole It franchise. Super excited. I'm going to try not to do my uh, Pennywise voice at any point during this recording, but no promises. <laughs> it's going to be hard. Yeah, I don't know. You might really scare some people out there. Mostly myself when I listen back. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm the one that has to edit this stuff, so I'm going to really <laughs> be freaked out. All right. <laughs> so as as most people will probably know, uh, It is a book by Stephen King. Uh, it's the story of an otherworldly evil that usually takes the form of a sadistic clown um, that ha has to be fought by this group of children in uh, the 1950s, and then they have to come back as adults when it returns, and they have to defeat it once again. Yes, yes. That's a very good and concise summary of a book that is... Uh, 800 bazillion pages and sprawls a ton of different topics. Yeah. It's, it's over 1100 pages long. It's got yeah. uh, digressions into all sorts of history of the town of Derry, Maine, uh, geography, engineering, uh, just, just about any topic you can think about is, is touched on briefly in it. It's, it's really an incredible book. Uh, and we've both read the book by now. I just finished it um, a couple days ago, actually in preparation for this and and for you know chapter two of the movie coming out right uh, we've both seen both the movies and i have not seen the entirety of the 1990 miniseries but you have actually i have right? and i rewatched it before i rewatched it chapter one for it chapter two so i have seen everything very recently it's been a little bit longer since i read the book last so uh, yeah. You will. You can be the 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 expert on the book. <laughs> I'll be most fresh on the book, I guess. Um, so yeah. Um, it first of all, it's just to get things out of the way. It's an incredible story. Um, the book itself is very good. 
Um, Absolutely. And, and, but being being such a long book and going through so many different digressions and sub stories and so much characterization, it's obvious from the get go that this is going to be a difficult uh, book to adapt to film. So that's been um, that's been a bit of an issue over the years. The 1990 um, version was in some regard well like it's about like three hours long overall so obviously it's it's kind of funny because everybody's always like oh it's so long and bloated but it's really it's shorter than the sum total like the total of it chapter one and it chapter two (laughs) right yeah i I, I was gonna say it's it's even more concise than what we've seen from the recent adaptation um it's in the same way it's divided into two parts and i think it they do the same thing where they put all the kids stuff in part one and all the adult stuff in part two, right? Um, no. Oh, so, so that's it's, different. It's sort of similar. Um, but it's sort of structured more like the book. So you spend like the first half of the movie, uh, is it basically starts and you see like, it does in a lot of ways. Yes. You're kind of right. But it, the way it's structured is that it sort of does what the book does where it'll like, you'll introduce it'll introduce you to a character and it introduces you to them in the present and then flashes back and you see their childhood stuff and then you move on to the next character so like and that's exactly i mean you just read the book that's basically how the first half of the book is structured too Mm -hmm. um i think it works a lot less well in the movie version of that structure uh it feels a little draggy at times but yeah it, it is more like the book in that way yeah, so the the book flashes back and forth very frequently between the 1950s timeline and the 1980s, um, and it in in book form it works really well. Uh, it's very interesting. It gets you uh, introduced to the characters by showing you their backstory, and also like as you're nearing the end of it, you're working towards the climax of both the 50s story and the 80s story which uh on both ends involves the characters going down into the sewers for a final showdown with it uh, which i thought was a great bit of parallelism and really helps make it a very like it's it's sort of a confusing experience reaching the end of the book because there's very similar things happening in both timelines and you're sort of confused from time to time like am i in the 50s am i in the 80s like what's going on and but at the same time it's like the same things happening again it doesn't really matter as much where when you are because like it's the same process going over yeah which is of course the entire structure of of it chapter two even and then um the 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 adult plot of the the book is just supposed to be like pennywise is recreating their entire like their childhood horror show for them uh, so like yeah. that's the whole point, point. Uh, and I think it's supposed to be confusing in the book. And I think the movie, the it chapter two, I have to saying the movie is not. I have to specify. Sorry, yeah. um, <laughs> it sort of toys with that too. Like you would have shots where like you'd see the adult uh, encountering Pennywise again, and you'd like flash back to them as a kid encountering something similar, that sort of thing. Um, I think it it toyed with that reality uh, pretty effectively in the movie too. Um, but the book does a really good job of like sliding in and out of past and present uh in a great way i really appreciate that in the book yeah so um touching on part one which came out two years ago in 2017 um the so the way they divided it up for the new movies that came out um they put 
pretty much all the kids stuff in the first one uh just made that one complete storyline um through to them defeating it and uh promising that they're going to come back if it ever returns and then left all the adult stuff for uh part two which just came out so um first of all yeah it, it does sort of undermine like the the structure that was built up um but it it's clear like they had to do some sort of division here like it, if they tried to make this whole storyline into one movie like this would be like six hours long eight hours long something like something obscene um so yeah it's, so it's i'm totally to see on why they want to do it no i'm on board with their structure uh the way they structured this i think it makes sense um there's no adaptation of it, the novel, that is perfect um, as a just reflection of the novel um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, some of them are totally fine that it's not going to be a perfect reflection of the novel. Yeah. Um, and so I think that um, it the, the most recent movies did the better job of figuring out how to get to the heart of what's in the book and still leave so much of like the text intact. Yeah. I mean, you get, first of all, you, if you're going to be making this into movies, a lot of people suggested that like the ideal format for like a really true adaptation, of this would be a mini series. I would agree with that. Uh, I mean, like that's, that's always the, the obvious answer when you've got a really long book or a really like in-depth book is cause you know, you can make that last as long as you want. And especially nowadays with bingeable content on streaming services, you could have like the 10 basically the equivalent of a 10 hour movie and people would watch it but if we're going to go for like the theatrical release big budget type stuff that's still reliant on like a movie structure uh the best way to do it i think is the way they did make it two movies make them on the long side and divide it up between the kids stuff and the adult stuff because otherwise there's like there's no real good dividing point that maintains the interconnected structure of the book and uh the way they do it there's still you know a rising action and a climax and a, a conclusion for each uh storyline right yeah no i agree i think that this is the best way to do it um i think that the the risk that it runs that a lot of people feel is that the the kid stuff is just like far and away the more interesting narrative like like the kid right. stuff is just like the better chunk of the book too i would argue um although i love the adult stuff too it is one of my favorite books ever so i definitely do not have a problem with the adult stuff but the kid stuff is like really really excellent so yeah it, yeah you know it's just like there's no way to follow up a part one that just is the kids stuff which i think felt true of it chapter two as well i really liked it um but it's definitely like the first one is I prefer the first one. Yeah, yeah. The first, the, the 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 kid stuff is more interesting because they're like these characters are running into it for the first time. They're still trying to figure out its nature. Um, unlike in the adult stuff, it's like it's happening again. It's like it's it's scarier in a way because like they're familiar with it, but also like it doesn't have quite the intrigue that it is in the first part. And um, one thing that is lost by dividing these sections up. I think is that um, in the book, a lot of it is structured as um, them trying to remember what happened when they were kids, because like, so they all 
get these calls from Mike Hanlon, who's the only one of the friend group, uh, the um, the Losers Club, who stayed in Derry, Maine. Uh, they all went off to their various fortunes around the country, and he gives them this call that brings them back, say, saying it's happening again, and you promised to come back, so you have to come back. And through this structure, we 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 see the characters trying to remember like what happened when they were kids, because they've all like if they've left Maine, they've all forgotten. Um, and Mike's the only one who really remembers stuff. So. The, a lot of it is structured around these like flashbacks of the childhood timeline when they're trying to remember it. And that is sort of lost by putting all the childhood stuff first, because like in the book, the childhood stuff is like a discovery that's being made by the adult characters. Right. Yeah, I think I, I do think that that is sort of lost in the new adaptation, uh, because the whole point is that everybody like Pennywise comes around every 27 years and in the intervening years everybody just sort of forgets um and the book sort of goes into you know sort of why but it's really just like a it's just like a this is the the impact of like facing something so like otherworldly and terrifying like you just like can't bear to remember it right um (laughs) so you you sort of just have to forget and so does the whole town and that's how pennywise has managed to do this over and over and over and over and over again because nobody can remember him um, or it him is a really is not the correct <laughs> uh, pronoun to be using here um so i think i yeah i think that that does sort of get lost here they allude to it you know they it's very clear that they are all sort of remembering when they get the call from mike hanlon but it's not really like the plot element that it is in in the book i mean you do have like this movie is structured for like a full i would say like quarter to a third of it is like each of the losers has to go off on their own and figure out how they were able to defeat pennywise back then figure out what it was really um so like sort of you get some of that but it's not really like the focus part of that is also just that this movie can't be as internal as the book was oh yeah definitely (laughs) <laughs> you just like can't get into the minds of the characters the same way. It has to find a way to externalize all of the like internalized stuff that you see in the book, which is a lot. I mean, it's over 1100 pages and it's all in the brains of these characters, like going weaving through them. So, yeah, there's so much internal stuff that happens in the book. And like, that's obviously always a problem when it comes to adapting a book to film is that stuff that's, you know, in, in a character's mind is a lot harder to portray. But this book in particular has a lot of remembering, a lot of like visions and fears and stuff that all takes place in the character's minds that all has to find its way onto the screen somehow. Uh, so there's always you know, a bit of an issue making that um, as apparent as it is in the book. Um, so like when we talk about the calls that, um that take place in this movie that's a a good place to start i think in terms of uh things that some people are complaining about for this um the film of part two okay Um, i will stop you right i have not read a lot of reviews of this movie so this is all news to me i didn't know people complaining i'm excited okay yeah so let's let's just start off by saying that this this film is getting a lot of mixed reactions. Absolutely. Um, I did know that. <laughs> yeah. So um, the part one was pretty much universally praised. Uh, it 
was seen as being like both a good adaptation and a really good entertaining horror film and quite um quite well done um in terms of being something that was released in the theaters and then still like managing to be you know edgy and scary enough for a horror movie involving children you know right yeah um but this one is getting a little more mixed reaction and i do think part of it is um there's definitely a difference i'd say between people who have read the book and people who haven't in terms of their reactions to this and that's not to say that you know those who have read the book are always right because you know like there's a lot of movies that are adapted from books and it's not just about how well you portray everything that happens in the book it's also about how well you make this movie into something that stands on its own that is entertaining you know there's like the harry potter books are always something that's brought up in this that um they're not always the best uh adaptations of the books but sometimes like they they work they do a good job of like putting stuff on the screen in a way that makes a better story than if they just directly told everything that's in the book. But like, it's, it is clear, I think from reading some of the criticisms of this movie, um, who's read the book and who hasn't. Um, Cause like one thing that a lot of people have been focusing on is like the repetition in this movie. The fact that we see every character get a call from Mike and they're like, oh, I, like, do we have to see all of them get this call? And as someone who's read the book, you know, I'd say like, yeah, <laughs> like, we do. This is, this is I, a like. Go ahead. It's not just like a call. Like every single call, like, gives you context on where they are now in their lives. Like, and for some of them, it's really, really, really important the context. Um, right. I would say there are some characters who the context is a little bit less important. Like, I don't know. Like, I loved Richie in this movie. Don't get me wrong, but like the context provided when he gets the call is not the most interesting. Um, right yeah but the context for like beverly like uh, yeah. i mean that's like crucial if we didn't get that uh even bill i would say that bill and bill is not one of my favorite characters i mean even i mean eddie like i i don't know i think that it was really important for virtually all of them really except for maybe richie stuff and ben's could have been handled a little better but mm. like yeah. yeah but like the way it the way it takes place in the book is that um they're all getting these calls and the call is like a chance to not like, this is the first time you're seeing these characters at all in the book. Um, yes. Yeah. Whereas by like in the movies, we've already watched a whole movie worth of these characters, but in the book you get these calls They it introduces us to this character. Now we see how they react to the call, telling them to come back to dairy. Uh, and we get to find out all about their lives at the time. And also we get, some information on who they were as kids as well. So it, right. it ties together the two storylines and introduces them and grounds them in the current uh, time period. So like those are, those are huge. And I think the way that they handle it in the movie was pretty effective. Uh, they, we got a lot of uh, like information about how, like how shocking this was for them to get these calls uh like richie's like throwing up off off of this uh fire escape uh eddie cr gets into a car crash which isn't something that happens in the book but i think 
uh, like makes it more interesting and seems like something that would be, you know, in his character to do at that time. Absolutely. Um, And we, we get that scene of Beverly having to leave her abusive husband uh, and like deal with that whole situation and basically fight her way out of her own house uh, because this is that important. Right. So yeah, like (laughs) that whole call sequence I found like to be really well done uh, but the the wider reaction to that is definitely kind of mixed. That's what that's weird to me. I feel I mean I know that there have been some like negative reaction to this movie, and a lot of it has to do with the length. Uh, and so hearing that people think that they could cut out some of this stuff is not shocking to me. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I also just like struggle to imagine that people really think that like this like context isn't important. It's also important to me because I think it like establishes how separate they've all become. Like, the last oh, yeah. we saw them, they had fought off, like, an intergalactic demon monster thing <laughs> together. So one would assume that that's the sort of thing that, much like Harry Potter, brings characters together who previously didn't have any reason to be together. Yeah. Um, I'm referring to the troll in Harry Potter 1. <laughs> um, <laughs> troll in the dungeon! <laughs> um, like, so I, I guess to me, it's, like, crazy to think that people would think that that's not... I mean, I don't know. It just like made a lot of sense to me. It felt like the right sort of opening for this movie because they've all gone in such different directions, right? Um, and so they're all in very, very different places and different points in their lives. One thing that's true of all of them that the movie doesn't really like touch on specifically is how successful they all are too, like in like their professional lives. Like every single one yeah. of them is like like killing it. Like Richie is like sold out audiences at like his like stand-up shows and bill is like a world famous writer and now script writer beverly is a world famous fashion designer like (laughs) ben's like the most well-known architect architect in the world (laughs) like they're all very successful and that's something that is not only shown but also like directly called out in the book like mike is like you're all ludicrously successful i mean the odds of every person in this friend group being that successful is astronomical like there's no way of course um, the only one who isn't ludicrously successful is mike, is mike hammond yeah. who stayed and just stayed became a librarian um, right uh so it's yeah it's it's not directly called attention to uh in the movie the way it is in the book but it's still uh pretty apparent when you see um where they're all coming from to get back to dairy like right absolutely it, they they show Bill like getting a call on the set of a, a movie that's being made from one of his books, and right. uh, Richie gets a call right before he's about to go on stage to a sold out audience. So um, we can see that they're all quite successful, that they've all sort of moved on from their childhood of dairy, and that indeed they all pretty much don't remember a thing from their time back then um, until they get this call. Yeah, and then it all comes back in a big way, and none of them are happy about it. <laughs> it's it's totally shocking, and uh, so like that's what I think makes that such like a good part is you can see how like horrifying this is to them, and they're like suddenly all these memories are flooding back, and they're like this thing that's been hiding in the back of their brain is just coming to the surface, um, and especially in the case of uh stan uris like he actually ends up committing suicide uh but rather than going back to dairy 
which <laughs> yeah really like the, <laughs> that's that's like the ultimate fear right there like he's so afraid to go back that he he'd rather take his own life right i mean i don't blame him he really i mean and they like I mean, having read the book when I saw the first one, I think that they set it up pretty well. Like, you kind of could tell through the whole first movie that he was, like, not going to handle it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like he just was handling it the worst. He was the one in the first movie who, like, s- somehow got separated from the group in the in the sewers and got bitten on the face by painting lady form of it. So, yeah. like, you, like, knew that it just, like... Uh, the, and, like, he was the first to leave, like, the circle when they when they, like, formed their pact. Yeah, and, um, you know, he's like, oh, I hate you, but then laughs. But there's like this awkward moment, especially as me having like I knew basically how the first move, the second movie would open, because that's like also sort of how like the book, like very early on, this happens to Stanley in the book. Um, So it's like I was like, oh, this is going to happen right away. So it like all sort of felt like they really led up to Stanley defecting very very easily i don't want to call it defecting that's unfair he was he's been through a lot but (laughs) and and one addition that they made in the movie that wasn't in the book which i thought was kind of interesting was like in the book it's clear like when you're looking at all the stuff from them as kids that he's like the most scared and the most unprepared to be dealing with this so it sort of seems in character when when like you look back at them as adults like, oh, if any of them was going to commit suicide to avoid coming back, it would be him. But uh, in the movie, they specifically at the end have him send them all letters to explain that um, that he knew that he would be too afraid to deal with it. And so he killed himself rather than hold the rest of them back. Right. Um, which I thought was an interesting explanation and maybe not necessarily something that had to be done, but I thought it worked well with the movie and the storyline that they created. It was nice to give them um, some Stanley Yuris closure, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, he, it, it was good. His character got a, a chance to like say something other than just being in the first few minutes and then dying. Yeah. Um, Cause in, in the book, it's definitely more just like he was scared. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Um. yeah one thing that i wish that they put in for him is that in the book when he kills himself he writes it on the wall of the bathroom in his own blood yeah oh yeah that was just such a horrifying image and like in the book they actually like draw out the word it in the text yeah they do like in, in instead of just like type they've got like a like a good drawing that takes up like a good third of the page of the word it um which is like a huge moment in the book when you're like the first time it's like it just right. like it really hammers into your consciousness that this is like the big evil they're all fighting and like i thought naturally that would have made like a big moment in the movie and the like for in terms of a set piece in the horror movie, you can't get better than like writing on the wall in blood. So right. maybe, maybe they just thought that was a little too on the nose to put in there. But I do I, think I that's what it was. It I thought in there. I think they thought it was just going to be like a little bit much. Um, so they didn't do that. Which yeah, I agree. I would have liked to have seen that too because I did like that. I also think it's interesting how the book really frames the Stanley Uris uh, saga as an adult from the perspective of his wife. But we don't really get oh, yeah. much of that in um in the movie. So I mean that's smart because the movie has to it has to cut some weight somewhere. And one way it chooses to do that is by cutting out some of these like characters who have become more important to the characters as adults, right? 
um, to the yeah. losers as adults, I should say. Like we don't get as much of Bill's Bill's wife in this movie. Um, uh, as or Beverly's the, husband either. Yeah. Right. Beverly's husband and Bill's wife in the book are major characters. I will say, I wish we'd gotten more of Bill's what is it wife or girlfriend? I actually don't even remember. It's his wife. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. They're I wish married. we'd gotten more of her in the movie because she is played by Jess Weixler, who was the star of teeth. So I would have <laughs> oh, loved to have seen more. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, that's like, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That I was like, I was like sitting there watching it in the movie theater and I was like, hold on. She looks really familiar. And then she like makes one expression with her eyes. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I was Man. so excited. I don't uh, think I love seen... teeth. Um, yeah. I love teeth. I don't think I've seen her in anything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. But that would have been really cool to see more of of her in that role. But yeah, they they sort of do like cut some of the weight there, um, and that was one way they did it. Um, I mean, they cut so much. It, there's so much cut. It's crazy to imagine like this movie being shorter than it is. I I gotta say, like everybody complained about the length. I never once felt bored or felt like I was like, oh, I wish we could just hurry up past this part. Right. I was and, I was pretty on board for the whole movie. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like to be fair, the, the movie is close to three hours long. It but is. But it um I feel like it doesn't really waste a lot of time in there. I mean it's it's trying to deal with the bulk of a thousand page book. Um Right. And even though, like as we said before, that a lot of the book does take place in the childhood narrative, um at when when they're adapting it to the movie here a lot of the problem is they have to sort of go over some of the same uh the same ground again to sort of establish the characters and everything so really like they're they are dealing with the lion's share here in the second movie they absolutely um, so are because they have to they have to cover some ground that even though it was like information that maybe they found out as kids they couldn't really reveal to us yet like right. <laughs> because yeah. it's like oh that would just ruin like the mystery <laughs> yeah i mean that that's why we get some flashbacks to the childhood timeline in this one because like the stuff with the um with the clubhouse that they have because it's stuff that like if they showed it in the childhood timeline it wouldn't necessarily either make sense then or it might spoil something that we're supposed to find out later on. Or it just wouldn't have the same impact. Like the stuff yeah. in like, like you mentioned the clubhouse that they have that's underground and stuff like that. Um, it's really like a heartwarming sequence in that one. And so I think that they, they just wanted to save that for the end, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Again, I think that makes sense. And again, these, these are the impacts of trying to separate two interconnected timelines into two separate movies like there there are some holdovers that uh, that don't necessarily flow in the same way right basically. yeah besides separating them into two different movies there are a couple other changes that were made to uh sort of modernize things i guess um in the original in the book um the childhood portion takes place in the fifties and um, then they come back in the eighties as adults, which mirrors when the book was written because it was in the eighties uh, in the movies um, to try to parallelize that modernity. They're placing the adult portion in 2019, which therefore pushes the childhood portion forward to the eighties. Right. So, right, right. um, yeah. 
It's so like 2016, right? Uh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, it is set in 2016 because the the previous one was set in 1989. Yeah, I just which... think it's. I mean, it only matters because, like, I don't know, like Trump isn't president yet in 2019. You know, like, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. Uh, they they skirted around mentioning that. Uh, you know, they would have had to. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably takes everyone. the form of Donald Trump and. <laughs> Um, that was probably to everyone's benefit that we didn't yes. have to deal with that in this. Um, but yeah, so there there are definitely some uh, like modernizations that happen in this movie. For example, in the book, uh, Richie Tozier is a uh, like a DJ on a Los Angeles radio station. And his thing is like doing all these characters and voices and stuff. And in this movie, they've made him into a stand-up comedian instead, which is, yeah, I mean, they had comedians in the 80s as well, but... Um, but what days, they don't have in the current is, like, a big-time radio host, too. Yeah. <laughs> DJ personalities aren't as much a thing these days, but stand-up yeah. comedy is bigger than ever. So that I thought that was a nice touch of modernization. Um, also, instead of... Where in the book Eddie owns a limo service, yes, he does. Uh, which I guess they thought like seemed a bit dated, especially nowadays with everyone taking Uber instead. Um, so they made him into a risk analyst, which I think is actually like even a better fit for his character, it's super appropriate for his character. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like it makes perfect sense. His whole character is like thinking that everything's dangerous and like always talking about like uh like health risks and like dangers when they go into the clubhouse and stuff like that it right. perfectly fits his character the only reason he's a limo driver slash limo company owner in the book is because he's really good at finding directions um which is something they just completely did away with with the movie um, and doesn't really feel that necessary. It's really, it really only comes into play in that one scene when they're finding their way through the sewers. So um, that feels like a good, um, a good change they made for the movie. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, I definitely agree, but uh, otherwise I feel like they didn't really have to make too many major changes. Um it was sort yeah. of like it all sort of like it worked well. You kind of think that like when that you modernize a horror movie, especially like it would be like, I don't know, you'd have to do a lot because like things were just very different. And, you know, one thing in horror movies, you always get like research montages and stuff like that. And like that just changes drastically when you're in 2016 versus 1980, whatever. Yeah. Um, Everyone has smartphones now. They don't, yeah. they don't have to dig through old archives and stuff. But it kind of it kind of was perfectly fine here because they weren't really researching anything they could find online. Like they really did just have to go back into their past, which meant going back to a spot where they'd encountered Pennywise before. Like, yeah, exactly. So. I mean, like that's that's what I think um, actually really made this a good movie to bring forward in the to modern times. Because, I mean, if you think about it these days, we've seen a lot of horror movies set in like period pieces set in like the sixties or the seventies specifically because like doing that removes the issue that like having a smartphone would solve everything and stuff like that here. You know, even if you have technology that doesn't solve the problem in 
in the book, you know, they're able to find this information by researching in the library. Like it, even being able to find that stuff online doesn't help you fight this cosmological horror uh, any better. <laughs> you know, no, you, absolutely you, not. Even if you can place a phone call, like you're not going to get anybody who can actually help you. Right. So like it, it, nobody outside of dairy would have any idea what you're talking about. And even in dairy, they don't really know. They have records of all of this stuff, but they don't even really realize it. Yeah. Um, that's what's crazy. None of it's like all of this information is like sitting there. Like, you know, you see in the movie, um, there's this whole thing where like, Mike went and met like a tribe, a Native American tribe who all knew about Pennywise, but like nobody knew that they knew about this evil alien demon that was like hunting people every 27 years. Like it's just like nobody talks about this sort of thing in here. So it wouldn't matter if you had a phone to call someone. Yeah. Yeah. I think it works pretty well. Um, the one thing that I think they made as an updating of the times that I don't think worked so well was the changes that were made to Mike's character. Um, so in the book, a lot of his backstory and his characterization comes from him dealing with uh, the issues of racism in the small town, um, basically being like the only black kid in Derry, Maine. Um, and specifically a lot of like racial violence that he and his father have experienced. Uh, and that's like largely, if not entirely done away with in the, in the adaptation, both in part one and part yeah, two. So we really don't get much of that at all. We get some kind of like hints of it. in like the first one, especially with Henry Bowers and his friends seem to hate Mike particularly for no discernible reason. Yeah. Um, one can very easily extrapolate that the reason is because Mike is a black kid. Um, but it's not really explicit. It's not touched on the same way. Whereas in the book, it is like, <laughs> it's, it's very explicit. <laughs> I mean, this uh, extremely explicit. And it's also like one of the like key themes of it. And just like Pennywise in general is like this, like mass bigotry and hatred. That's sort of what Pennywise incites and feeds off of. Um, yes. Oh, yes, which makes definitely. him even. Never mind. Um, <laughs> just Trump parallels. Um, <laughs> like he, that's sort of like what Pennywise does in the whole book. And I mean, you see that in the movies too. I think that um, it's it is clear at moments that Pennywise is sort of feeding off of like hatred that comes for no reason, um, uh, things like that. So I think that that's there, but it's definitely not as explicit. You don't get things like um, you. I mean, they even warp like. Mike's big plot line and like the book uh, from the past is like this like historical fire that burned um, that was incredibly racially motivated um, that burned down like a club that was largely restricted to like black people, not exclusively, but a lot of the, the yeah. general bar goers were black and that's why it was burned down. Somebody burned it down for that reason. And in the past it is said that, I mean, basically you learned that Pennywise was there feeding off of this fear when this fire was burning and of course as anyone who sees movies knows mike does have a fire in his past but it's just like a fire that killed his parents like it's not the same at all um yeah i did think it was interesting that they like they tried to keep the fire aspect but they instead made it like that it was just his parents house that burned down or something like that and 
but then it, sort of, it loses the motivation, right? Yeah, like, it's not. It loses the power that, like, of just like him having to deal with this racially motivated violence on a daily basis, and um, especially when characters like Henry Bowers are there to like rub it in his face every time they run into him. Right. So, uh, like in the in the book, like. Mike wasn't at like the fire itself, but he knows about it and he knows that that's like a part of his town's past. And he has to live with that every single day while Henry Bowers is like running around shouting really racist things at him. Like, yeah, (laughs) you know, like, and that obviously keeps him in fear all the time. Like, (laughs) cause he knows about what that sort of hatred is capable of ultimately. Like he knows the end end result of that. So, and knows that it happens in that town and that nothing really comes of it when it does. So, like, I think it's like, yeah, I think it was a mistake to leave it out. I think that they were trying to not stir the pot too much. Um, I think also they, they like, they, it feels like they're trying to modernize it a bit. And maybe, like, the, the intent was like, oh, like, racism doesn't happen in the same way that it might have in the 50s. But I feel like there could have been a much better way to modernize that than just doing away with it almost entirely. I mean, the um, idea that, I mean, the the kid stuff takes place in the 80s and the, the yeah. fire itself was supposed to have happened years before years in the before. first place. So, yeah, the like idea the that that could have happened in the, in the 30s, 40s, 50s and them gotten away with it then is crazy yeah. to me. Of course they yeah. would have gotten away with it in they, the 30s or 40s. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the the there is definitely still all sorts of racially motivated I mean, violence. A lot yeah. of places people would have gotten away with it in the eighties. Yeah. No doubt. I mean, pro- lots of places now. I mean, but that's, you know, like, like, but yeah. yes, yeah. I think it was a mistake to leave it out. I, I do not like that decision. That, it also that, just like cuts out some of Pennywise's teeth. Like that's like, like right. it's like horrifying in the book to learn that he really is like, that's what Pennywise does. Yeah. So, <laughs> So a lot of uh, what I think this um, disparity between people who have read the book and people who have just seen the movies comes is that in the book, it's clear you know, Pennywise is more than just a creepy clown who goes around eating kids. Like He's basically the embodiment of hatred, of evil. He feeds off of all the hatred from this small town and encourages it. Um, encouraging these acts of mass violence he's basically just the embodiment of all hatred that preys on weakness that preys on the any any sort of vulnerable class of people and that's what very clear in the book there's a lot of you know the racially motivated violence homophobic violence stuff like that that shows that you know it's not necessarily about uh, this group of people or another group of people, he's just trying to feed off of this, all this hatred that festers in this small town. Right. Right. I, yeah, I think that that's true. And I think that, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it, I think the movie does a fine, like the movie definitely alludes to it. I mean, Pennywise is there for like the big homophobic hate crime that opens chapter two. Um, it's not quite as clear that Pennywise sort of like is sort of like, I don't know, like it, it sort of even, it feels like in the book in all of these events, Pennywise is there like inciting it. Like, right. Um, like he, you know, he's, he benefits and he sort of like encourages it along at the same time. He makes, he somehow like 
like Pennywise doesn't just incite it. Like it's important to note that Pennywise is there because that hatred is already there to feed off of. But Pennywise definitely like amplifies it. Like Pennywise isn't is an amp for these sorts of things. Like when this is happening, it, Pennywise's presence just makes it worse. Um, which is why you get characters right. like Henry Bowers going like full deranged. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So I and I think that um, I don't know the movie does a decent job of like the subtext is that that's what's happening. Like Pennywise showing up here. Um, you see it in the first movie when Pennywise uh, shows up as they're bullying Ben and like carving Henry Bowers, name into his stomach. And those people just pass by and look and the balloon just pops up in the car. Like, Oh, well, yeah, like, yeah. Pennywise is making them turn a blind eye to like bullying and things like that. And Pennywise being sort of like somehow always involved or around when Beverly's dad is like at his worst, like, you know, like these are all things that are happening, but it's not really explicit as it is in the book. Um, and I do think that people sort of miss that point in the movie, which is of course not a good thing. If you miss that point, then you miss the point of Pennywise. Yeah. I do like that. They use the balloons. Um, I think in both, uh, segments of the movies, um, to sort of, symbolize his influence even in scenes where he doesn't directly appear you know, you can sort of get a sense that even when there's bad stuff happening in the town and it's not just this clown is eating people um that he's got some sort of hand in it I absolutely thought- I, I think that's true i think they did that very intentionally because they couldn't necessarily i mean this is a, a movie what are they going to do have a character like be like oh you know what Pennywise is here to exacerbate institutional <laughs> bigotry. Like, exactly. Of course, yeah. they can't just say that. So they have to find other ways to like imply Pennywise's uh, influence. You know, a good way to do that would have been to show the massive racist hate crime that Pennywise incited. But right. you know, you win some, you lose some. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> and the the one thing that we do uh, lose in the adaptations is a lot of the flashbacks to like other time periods, like the the book provides pretty much a full history of uh, various incidents that have happened in Derry's history. You see so much. Pennywise <laughs> probably had a hand in like, it goes back to like that when the town was first founded in the 1600s and you get um, like the shooting of some uh, like gangsters in the twenties, you get that, like that scene where they're slaughtering um people who are working for the logging company in the thirties and like the, obviously the, the fire at the black spot, which we kind of talked about as well. There's just like a whole history of the town that is cut out. And and obviously for good reasons, because you can't cram all of that into like a three hour movie when there's so no. much else to talk about. I mean, they did a decent job in the first movie of alluding to some of it. Like, you know, you see the thing about yeah. the, like the plant, explosion at the easter egg hunt that killed a bunch of kids yes um, yeah which was clearly like a pennywise thing like (laughs) um so i i wish we'd seen a little bit more of that but i mean like it was nice that i guess that mike went and met with like this native american tribe that like had this history with pennywise um but i'm not sure that it was like quite sufficient like i wanted i did i would have liked to see a little bit more of the history stuff Um, right uh, yeah, that that was something that um, was pretty much mostly made up for the movie. Absolutely. But I, I did think was a good inclusion both to uh, allude to like a far distant past for 
uh, Pennywise's involvement in this area, as well as provide them with a reason to try this Native American ritual while I'm trying to defeat it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I mean, I didn't think it was like a bad inclusion. It was just like, it definitely was like meant to stand in for a lot of like, we can't come up with, we can't show you all of this like old stuff that Pennywise was involved in. So we need to come up with a way to concretely say, by the way, Pennywise has been here forever. Pennywise landed in an asteroid or whatever. And so um, here we are like, (laughs) like, um, which they, well, I mean, they did that. I mean, they showed Pennywise as like land. <laughs> like, yeah, but. I did. I was, that was one thing I was glad that they included because I thought for sure they were going to cut it out. But yeah, uh, they changed it slightly from the book. In the book, um, it's a vision that Richie and Mike have in the clubhouse when they fill it with smoke and they have like because they they've read that native americans used to have visions by like building a smoke pit and yes uh like just breathing in the smoke for a long time um in here it's like a hallucinogenic drug that mike gives to bill um which <laughs> which is very funny he like uh like forces bill to like be high and bill's like you drugged me <laughs> he's like it'll help you see <laughs> like as he's already like starting to experience the hallucinations all right mike you sound like a crazy person um, yeah but this mike... is probably why we got all of those like reports from if you remember like the the drama that happened when this was first filming and everybody was saying they thought they were turning mike into a crackhead guaranteed <laughs> this is what these people knew and we're talking about like, <laughs> yeah mike's character is a little off the rails in the movie version um and part of it's because i think like in the book everyone is pretty quickly on board with fighting it um in the movie i feel like they they wanted to add a little more dramatic tension and so like after the whole incident at the Chinese restaurant, pretty much everyone is just like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm not dealing with this. And Mike has to like convince them to come back and fight it. And so that does sort of provide enough dramatic tension to get you through that first third of the movie. But also it makes Mike into kind of a manipulative person because he like drugs Bill and then has to <laughs> convince the rest of them to come back too. Yeah, but he's manipulating them for all the right reasons. You know, <laughs> he's like, I we got to end this giant cosmic horror that has been plaguing Derry, Maine, like the smallest town in the world that somehow keeps gaining people for no fucking reason. Um, once and for all, we've got to do something here. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, it is for a good reason. definitely. <laughs> like, I, I'm sorry. It needed to go. Pennywise needed to be defeated somehow, one way or another. Um, so I don't blame Mike. You know what I did like um, in this movie that they kept was like the the totally like batshit fortune cookie scene. In the yes. Chinese diner. Um, that was just oh. like, I felt sure that because as much as I loved the first It movie, it was one of my favorite movies of 2017. I thought it was excellent. Um, I did, I mean, it is very much like a mainstream Hollywood horror movie. Yeah. I thought for sure they wouldn't like go out on a limb and do something like really bizarre and surreal. And they 
honestly, they did it more than once in this movie. Um, but one example is that fortune cookie scene where you get like the half born terrifying birds crawling out of like <laughs> like fortune cookies and the like... crawling eyeball and everything yeah like, yeah yeah so um like when i saw the first part i hadn't read the book yet i hadn't like even read a word of it uh and i i remember liking it looking back like i thought it was really good and then i went to re-watch it in preparation for watching part two uh having read almost all the book i just like the last couple hundred pages i hadn't read and i was surprised like just how different it is it really reads as like a very sped up cursory version of what's in the book uh at times i, I mean, felt like to. yeah uh, and for, <laughs> for obvious reasons too yeah but like uh my impression was it feels sort of like like a halloween horror nights version of the book where it's like it touches on all the like the imagery that you get it get like has the characters in there briefly but like it's it's just like shades of what's in the book but um in in part 2 I really felt like they tried to delve a little more into that stuff that was left out in part 1 um and also really like especially for some of these big uh, visual set pieces they really dug into it and like made sure to include them and the fortune cookie scene is one that i definitely thought had a chance of being either left out or drastically toned down i thought it would be was... like yeah i thought it would be totally warped to be to yeah. feel just like much more normalized yeah but it, it was, was like <laughs> fucking weird and it was it good was very <laughs> it was like exactly as i would have pictured it and like even more like they went all out there with their because in the book they sort of like try to play it cool because they're like all right like obviously we're the only ones seeing this so we have to play it cool like we're in a restaurant everyone can see it in here they're like going insane they're like smashing the table and stuff and then the waitress walks in and it's like a big moment where they're like oh yeah we look like insane people yeah, yeah i thought that was really good uh, I thought it was good that they kept a lot of the actual creatures that crawl out of the fortune cookies there. It and was I, nice. And because a lot of those are like references to other things that these characters experience in the books. Yeah. Um, and that we don't get to see in the movie. Um, for example, I will never forgive the movie for taking out the giant bird at the ruins yeah. of the fucking factory. I will never forgive it. I am so mad. I wanted to see giant evil bird. I wanted it so badly. I knew it would never happen because it's just like not scary to a modern audience. It's such that a is weird uh, enemy to face, but but it's yeah. such a like a good like these are children moment because like you're reading it and you're like this would never like an adult would be like I what's going on, but this kid is fucking horrified of this giant bird and like yeah. like such a good reminder that like these are kids, which like the first movie like did sometimes but didn't do quite as well because it sort of cut out the like. The fact that we see like every single Universal Studios monster, like original Universal monster in the in, yeah. the, in the canon in the yeah. first book, like they're like all over the book. But in the movie, they had to sort of cut them out. We get some references, like you get a nod, you briefly get a mummy and a werewolf, um, but it's never really explained why. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. so it's much clearer in the book that like the kids are getting this imagery from the horror movies they've been watching. Yeah, there was like a whole. Did you read? Um, the interview or see about how Annie Muschietti was like, was like, you know, we toyed with the idea of putting Freddy Krueger in uh, because like <sighs> they had the option because the studios are 
there's overlap, mm-hmm. so they actually did have the license to do that if they wanted to. Oh, but man, he didn't because he thought it would be kind of distracting. And I was like, it would have been fucking perfect. It would have been so good to have Freddy Krueger in the first one. It would have uh, been like both the perfect cameo for England to come back. Like oh. he could have done it again. Oh, like no. I'm so mad. Like reading that he thought about it pissed me off to no end. I was like, it would have been good because like that's like what like that's that was like the point of that's like a it's sort of like the clear like driving home point that like Pennywise occupies whatever scares you. Like that's what yeah. Pennywise does. And He's so, like, a making these movie characters was like what worked in the book. Like it was like oh that's what's going on. In this, it's, like, clear that he's a shapeshifter, but it's not really totally clear why he chooses what he chooses every single time. Um, <laughs> like, right. why yeah. is he, like, a scary old lady for Beverly? Is Beverly afraid of old women? I don't know. Like, doesn't seem like it. It seems like she's afraid of um, her dad. But, <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, I think that, um, yeah, I think that they missed an opportunity there. I'm not going to lie, but that's okay. I do think another balls to the wall moment this movie did that I did not expect them to do was giant Paul Bunyan statue coming yes. to life. Oh my god! Fist pumping. I was like, "Yes, we're doing it!" Like <laughs> as I was reading that, I was like, "There is no chance this makes it into the movie. It's way too weird and way too specific. Uh, there's no chance they're gonna have the giant Paul Bunyan statue leaning down to like stare Richie <laughs> in the face and scream at him, and yet they put it in. And I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome!" I, and like, and it did. It wasn't even like, like genuinely, it was good. It was not like a bad moment and not just like a fan service moment. Like, I was like, "Wow, this is like a like it looks good. Like it feels right." I'm very happy with the fact that I'm seeing this right now on a big screen. Like <laughs> I was very surprised. Yeah, that was cool. So like that was like my overall impression seeing this movie, especially like seeing some of the scenes that we've talked about um, that I didn't think would make it in, make it in. I was like, you know, this is good. Like not only does it work well as a movie, but they're like actually trying to incorporate stuff from the book that, um, like I didn't think would make it in. So I thought it was good. Um, And with that, I think we should definitely touch on what's probably the most controversial scene in this movie. um, And what's definitely getting a lot of discussion online at the, like the very first scene in the movie uh, that, that gay hate crime that happens. Oh, Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty much lifted directly from the book um it's like sort of an abridged version of what happens but it's it's pretty it's a pretty direct adaptation and probably one of the closer things that happens in this movie to what happens in the book actually um but a lot of people are not a fan of this scene being in the movie they're calling it unnecessary and uh exploitative yeah um yeah, so I guess they are. I guess um, we've known for a while that the scene was going to be in the movie. Uh, Xavier Dolan was cast a long time ago. I don't know. I mean, unless you just, like, didn't read, like, we knew which character he was playing. And even if you didn't know, why did you not know that Xavier Dolan was going to play a gay man? Like, mm-hmm. so I guess, like, to me, it was, it's sort of surprising that people are, like, surprised by it. But I guess, like, people don't read, like, movie news as fanatically as some of us. Um, <laughs> and... I also think that I I get it, 
but to me it like it feels necessary to who pennywise is um Right. And also, I gotta say, I'm glad that it's in and everybody will stop, like, making Pennywise a gay icon or whatever that was happening. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I get it with the Babadook, but, like, Pennywise is, like, not that, and we should not let that no. happen. So I'm totally on board with people no coming to that, that realization, because Pennywise should not be even jokingly a gay icon. Pennywise literally feeds off of bigotry. Pennywise is basically an American conservative Republican. Like, <laughs> like... It, that's sort of like the whole thing with Pennywise. So I think that um, I wish I think that it would have made more sense if they'd more fully fleshed out that aspect of Pennywise. Um, like we've already talked about some, they don't really go into it enough. Right. Uh, I think I um, and I think that if they had like really established that that sort of like that really is Pennywise's entire mo is to sort of seek out those marginalized groups to seek out the fear that surrounds them and exploit it so that he can generate more fear and murder more people and eat them or whatever he really ultimately does, like makes them float for years or whatever. I don't know. Um, like, I think that that it, people would have a different reaction to it, but as it is, it is like a jarringly violent and not, I think the difference is that it's like not unbelievable for a lot of people. Like, <laughs> like that's right. just like people see that and they're like, oh, well, that's just like reality. That's not just a horror movie. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, like a big problem here is that this scene was way too real for a lot of people, um, which, you know, it like it's how it's supposed to be. It's, you know, it's something that happens in the real world and it is uh, in in the context of the book supposed to be the sort of thing that Pennywise encourages and helps along so that he can feed off of this fear, off of this hatred and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I do agree that like part of the problem here is that uh, some of that stuff was toned down, especially in the first part. And then when it shows up in the second part, it's kind of a surprise and it feels like maybe a little more gratuitous. And maybe if they hadn't changed Mike's storyline so much, it would wouldn't have been so far out of left field. Yeah. Example. So if they had if they had kept in some of Mike's storyline, um, even if they'd like really driven home like the sort of like Pennywise influence and in something like Beverly's like life, like you know, like there's just like a lot of ways they could have done it better. If they'd if they'd expanded on Henry Bowers, I think it could have worked. Uh, Henry Bowers, what like is obviously a character here, but it's not really like. Oh, like, it doesn't really extrapolate how, like, just how much, like, Pennywise's, like, presence was, like, felt on Henry Bowers and his group of friends. Like, um, yeah, because we don't really know any of Henry's friends in the movie. We only know Henry. Some of that is for the better. Um, I, there are certain aspects of the Henry Bowers friend group that just would not translate to a 2000s audience. Um, like, the, the gay thing that happens with Patrick. Like, we don't need that. Um, that's <laughs> It's okay that we don't get that. But, like it did help this like theme of like Henry Bowers's plot in the book does help this theme of like Pennywise incites violence wherever possible. And like one version of that is like racism and homophobia and stuff like that. But another version is just like Henry being a bully who preys on the otherwise weak for whatever reason. Um, and Pennywise right. like latches onto that and uses Henry to attack them because they are weak. And Henry is like the strong bully. Um, course it turns out that when you're in a group of people you are the strong one and the bully is not the strong one uh powerful themes but 
that's you know neither here nor there that's but pennywise's thing is like to feed off of you know the fear of the marginalized so i think that the movie sort of did the shot themselves in the foot by like cutting some of henry's plot and cutting out mike's plot and then still fully including this really violent hate crime yeah yeah it it does feel like a bit of a change from what we've seen so far in this franchise uh, especially as the like the first scene in the movie it's really like quite a way to open a movie but i was Boy, still i was still glad it was there like i mean it's it's brutal and but it like fully i think drives home like what a horrible hateful character it is supposed to be and yeah i think it, it makes i like that it's there too i do not i did not come away feeling like i wish this scene hadn't been there um i i think that uh one important aspect of the adult plot line versus the kids plot line is that in a lot of ways pennywise is more brutal um pennywise is angrier i think by the time the adults encounter pennywise so like yeah, yeah. that's why you get things like pennywise returning and immediately latching onto this really vicious crime you get um the suicide you get um the the ultimate fate of eddie kasprak like you know, I think that uh, Pennywise is just like pissed off and willing to be more vicious. So I think that that's why you get that sort of thing. And I think it made sense to me. Um, and I think it was it did set the table for like Pennywise's like not fucking around. Like none of the main characters died in the first movie. Right. So like, you know, <laughs> like it's like, by the way, this is going to be one where like the stakes are a little bit different. Yeah. One thing that I thought was kind of weird like a strange change from the book is um in in the book when uh when mike is attacked in the library and ends up in the hospital and so isn't able to make it down to the sewers with everyone else um i thought it was kind of odd that they changed that because that does show again like how high the stakes are um and like what it is resorting to because in that case um he'd convinced henry bowers to break out of the mental institution he was in and attack the losers club and in the movie he's only able to like attack eddie and wait yeah attack eddie and then he gets like quickly driven off and then killed by richie later but in the book he's like able to do some pretty serious damage to mike and then gets killed by eddie just like in a last minute frenzy um right but i mean that's something that people have also been complaining about that um that henry bowers feels kind of unnecessary and i think that's part of the problem is that he's so easily defeated in the movie he is really easily defeated here i think that um the movie didn't do the movie didn't do the best job of like trying to like I mean, obviously you get the impression that Pennywise does this every 27 years and is coming back, blah, 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 blah. But the movie didn't really do a great job of like affirming the fact that Pennywise is trying to like recycle the past over and over and over again. Like that's like, that's what this whole like 27 years later plot is about. It's like, it's like Pennywise is trying to like, can only think like the way to get you now is to like repeat what happened before, but make the ending different. Right. And so like Pennywise is like, breaking henry bowers out of like the mental institution and like bringing henry to do like these crazy things and like you know and so we don't get a lot of that in the same way and so it kind of feels like well why did we have to have henry in the first place in this movie um yeah 
it, and it's kind of weird. I mean, it was kind of fun seeing some of Henry's stuff, but I gotta say, like, yeah, I didn't necessarily feel like I needed it. Um, yeah, him with the the zombie Patrick Hoxsetter was kind of cool. That was, that was kind of cool. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but, glad to see that. Um, that's a that's a very creepy scene in the book. Um, but like, also in the book, it becomes more clear when you see that scene that the reason Henry Bowers has been such an insane asshole the entire time is because Pennywise has been like slowly driving him insane and like talking to him in the form of the moon. Yes. Which is (laughs) great. Yeah. And so now you're like, you're at once able to see like, Oh, this is why he's like carving his name into people and like trying to kill children when he's like a 15 year old. And you're also able to see that he's like kind of a formidable enemy when he breaks out of the insane asylum. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's still, I am still glad that that part was in there. Yeah. 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 Me too. I was glad for it, but yeah, I, I definitely agree that like, it sort of felt like, well, like Henry didn't really serve the same purpose that he did. in in the book, like the book, it was sort of like, he was trying to like, he was somehow trying to like break down the group in some way. And in this one, he's very easily dispatched of. And so the group doesn't really face like, <laughs> like the yeah. same sort of consequences as they did. Um, but, you know, I guess I guess I had to make some. Ch- I, I understand wanting to change what they changed about Mike's like ultimate involvement. I do understand that. Like, um, but I don't know if I don't know the Henry stuff they could have handled a little bit better. I would have liked to see more of it. Part of that was, again, just, like, Henry not having the same plot that he had, like, in the child plot line. It was, like, you don't have as much to do with it, and he doesn't feel as relevant. It's sort of, like, Henry felt kind of random in this movie. Like, I can imagine if I had gone in not knowing anything about the book, I'd have been like, well, why is he even back? Didn't he die? Like, yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like he does die in the... um in the first movie and then the way that they like show him getting out of the sewers in this one just seems like it seems like a lot of multi-part movies i've seen when they like resurrect a character that they killed off and then they realize that they need them right but it's like (laughs) they had to have known that they were gonna bring along yeah yeah so it's like why they just should maybe should have done something different with henry so he didn't i don't know fall down into the infinite darkness of the well Right, that he did in the first movie because like, that doesn't happen in the book either. In the book, he just kind of gets lost in the sewers and then presumably wanders out eventually. Well, right, he gets lost and like he sees all of his friends die, and so he goes fucking insane. Like, which <laughs> makes perfect sense. Like logically, that seems normal to me. But in this, it's like okay, so he fell and then went insane, which does also kind of make sense because who how long was he down there? No longer than seven days. We know you can't survive more than seven days at the bottom of a well. But <laughs> he definitely like he didn't see his friends get killed by Pennywise because he was alone. So I don't know. Um it's kind mm. of a weird I don't know what they I I don't know why they did what they did in the first movie with Henry if they were going to bring him back for the second one in the way that they did. They could have planned that out a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So, um, one last thing I think I want to talk about here uh, is uh, what they did with Richie in this movie. Sure. Which I thought was quite good, actually. Um, it, it's not really in the book. I think it could you could argue that 
like if you make the right interpretations it is in the book but um and people will argue yeah we'll argue this. <laughs> you, you can ship you can ship whoever you want but uh richie in in the movie is quite explicitly gay right um, which um i thought i thought was interesting it, it gave his character a little more um depth that it doesn't it didn't really have in the first part of the movie um and you know there's his character in the book is kind of like everyone sort of has like a trauma or something that they're afraid of for an obvious reason and richie richie doesn't as much have that but when like you add this bit to his character in this movie i think it really helps show how he fits into everything um also i thought bill Hader just did an absolutely awesome job portraying richie in this yeah, movie bill Hader was excellent um i do also think it worked really well i thought it gave um a lot of it gave a, a different context to richie's character that i think worked really really well um it also was like it's logical i mean like i've read the book a few times and i i see the the richie eddie thing and i get it um so like i think it made sense so i thought it worked it was nice it was also just nice as sort of like a bookend if the movie was going to open on this like horrible gay hate crime even though the story doesn't end happily for richie and eddie it was nice to close on like a tender moment it right. was also like a, you know you know a tender moment involving homosexuality i should clarify um like it was nice that it like it circles back to that like that homophobic hate crime and says like you know it's too bad, I guess, basically, that they couldn't have had a happier ending. Um, <laughs> um, but I think that it was like a nice, like, rever- not reversal, but like, like a, you know, there's, a, it doesn't have to all be like that. <laughs> gave like an ounce of hope at the end of it, you know? Yeah, it is kind right. of like a, it's a bittersweet ounce of hope because obviously Eddie dies in this movie. Um, but, you know, Richie is. And uh, I mean, it's not clear that Eddie returned the feelings in the first place because Eddie did have like his his uh, partner who was basically just his mom all over again. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, it is like a nice moment. It's kind of weird that they never have Richie. First of all, he never like says that he's gay. Second of all, like it's unclear if he ever comes out to his friends. Like his whole like thing is like Pennywise is like, I'll tell everyone your secret. Um, and like, which is like a a really depressing scene also it's like a flashback um we get where richie is like playing an arcade game with a friend and richie tries to get the friend to stay to play longer and he's and the friend is like you didn't tell me you had queers here in town it turns out the friend is like henry's cousin or whatever which is just like really like depressing for poor richie who looks like really upset and i don't blame him um you know he's like definitely teased for having like a crush on a boy um and that kind of sucks. I, you know, it would have been nice to get a moment where like he finds some like real closure maybe, but that's okay. Um, I thought it worked well. I thought Richie played it or Eddie, Bill Hader. Wow. Um, <laughs> did a really, really good job with it. I mean, I think Bill Hader is getting like the lion's share of the praise as far as the cast goes in right. the first place. Um, but I think that's with good reason. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Think even really, really excellent. Even aside from this particular bit of characterization, I definitely found him to be the most engaging. I don't know. Jessica Chastain was really good. Je- um, she was good too. Yeah. But like Bill Hader just 
absolutely encapsulated. Bill Hader killed it. Yeah, he like I thought Richie would be like, and also like added his own flair to the character. I gotta and- say, making Richie like gay and like struggling with that. I related to Richie before. Oh boy, I was like, <laughs> dear God, here we go. <laughs> oh, oh no. <laughs> There's um, this added element oh, that makes yeah, me relate even like, more. Wow. Didn't need that, but I am. Uh, I was happy with it. You know who? Like, I mean, did you have more you wanted to say about that plot development before I take it somewhere I, else? I don't think so. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, um, a cast member that just like really surprised me. Um, you know, a lot of the cast had the had the struggle of trying to be the former child actor. Um, James Ransone as older Eddie was like, some of his like moments and expressions were like perfect imitations of Jack Dylan Grazer. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, I was like, what the, like he like studied, like (laughs) I was really impressed by him. Um, And he's not an actor that I can say I, I don't like follow. Like, um, so I was like, wow, like you really like, you did it. I mean, I do like James Ransone. He's done some good stuff. I, I like The Wire. Um, but like, and he was in Sinister. Yes. Uh, yes. That's where <laughs> that's his horror, his other horror chops from. Yeah. Um, but like he like, I thought he was really surprising as uh as Eddie here, because he just like really encapsulated a lot of what like made Jack Dylan Grazer's performance a quiet standout in the first movie. Right. Yeah, I thought in general, like the adult cast was a pretty good casting for trying to match up with the child cast obviously um the guy who plays ben is completely different from the child but you version, expect that but th- that's to be expected because he loses a ton of weight basically it just has a totally different like vibe really um yeah he was yeah uh, you know i wish they had done a little bit more with ben i gotta say um yeah because he's definitely one of the more prominent characters in the book yeah, I would say Ben, um, reading it might have been one of my favorite characters just to read. Like, he was, like, a pleasure every time, like, we circled back to, like, being in Ben's head in the book. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, like, fascinating and really well written. And so it was sort of, like, I just wished for a little bit more because he really is, like, one of the, like, top, gotta be one of the top three voices in the in the book that we see hear the most from. Yeah. So. Definitely. Um, well, that's okay but in general yeah i agree the whole cast was great i mean there's not a really a weak link in the main losers club um bill felt weird to me but i think that's just like bill's character to me is always so like you have to be in his head or else it doesn't make sense to me like and there wasn't right. enough like we can't really do that like because bill's like extra like on the surface level his like story is like i don't want to say the most boring but it is like a writer who's really successful, but has like some things he struggles with and writes about his past. And like, like that's yeah. like a character we've all seen before. And if you've it's, seen a Stephen King movie, another... you've definitely seen it before. So there's so, like, Stephen King insert basically. Yeah. And so like, it's sort of like, if you don't really get into his head, I think it's easy to make bill boring. And I think the movie sort of teetered on that verge at moments. Um, there were good moments like little Georgie coming back and shouting like you lied and I died is like a really like killer moment. Like, um, uh, but like, I don't know, maybe if they'd had Audra more prominently involved and therefore had more of the like Audra and Beverly parallels that happen in the book, um, oh, that yeah. don't happen here in the movie. Yeah. No, I, I thought overall, like all, all the cast was pretty good. There was definitely, I, I definitely think that Bill Hader 
was a standout and uh, Jessica Chastain as well. I guess but, that's to be expected. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <Between> them. <laughs> every, everyone did, did a pretty good job. And I think like, especially they did a great job of picking the right actors for these characters. Um, when like they, they clearly kept in mind the child versions when they were trying to make these adult choices. Yeah. And it, it worked. I thought it was good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anything else you want to touch on before we close this out? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's pretty good. Yeah. I think uh, overall, like I, I really liked part two. I like how it, like it stuck to its guns. It did a lot of stuff from the book that I wasn't necessarily expecting it to do. And it provided us with a pretty good closure for part one and the overall storyline. Yeah, I, in general, liked it. Yes, I had some issues here and there, but for the most part, I liked this movie a lot and I enjoyed watching it. All right. So uh, it, chapter two, is out in theaters right now. Just came out last week. Oh, I should definitely mention, uh, I did end up going to that clowns only screening. Ooh, <laughs> at the alamo draft house it was a blast there were so many creepy clowns there i was just sort of a normal clown uh there were normal clowns as well but uh there were some real creepy ones there was one guy who was walking around with a, like a baby doll on a noose and he kept saying like the baby is sleeping and stuff like that i would have uh, not been able to sit in a dark <laughs> it was it was wild um it definitely Remind me of why I like going to Alamo Draft House. Uh, they they really pick some interesting events, shall we say? That's so. Um, that's very Alamo Draft House. Yeah, <laughs> I but, am happy to say I've never been to a clowns only screening of it, and I will keep it that way. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Right now. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, this movie's uh, definitely still in theaters at this point. Um, so go check it out if you haven't seen part one definitely see that first but yes. <laughs> it's, it's it won't make a lot of sense without part one but uh part one is out there and uh check it out so uh until next time we are buzzed on movies you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms uh apple podcasts google play music google podcasts and spotify um you can also find us on Twitter at Buzzed on Movies. Uh, give us a shout out and let us know what you think of the program. If you have any suggestions for us or movies you'd like us to review. And um, if you don't use Twitter, you can also reach us at buzzedonmovies at gmail.com. Um, and until next time, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies. <laughs>